have a Bible with you today, find the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter number two. Ephesians chapter two. Uh, man, what a fantastic day. Easter Sunday, we get to uh, have meals with our families. Anybody going to have a meal after church today and eat some food and ham or whatever it is that you do in your life and in your family? Uh, how many of you got Easter baskets for your kids? Let's see all, who all those, we can all glare at you and say, wow, you're better parents than we are. Okay, that's great. Some of the kids are still a little bitter about that. That's okay. Um, Anyone still decorate eggs and stuff? Do you ever do that stuff with your kids? We kind of stopped. We did, I have four kids. We did all that with our first kid and stuff. And by, by number four, the poor girl just doesn't get anything good anymore. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with that. But it's also spring. And I, I know we have snow piled up to our ears. But I saw in the forecast a 70s this next week. And so we'll just see what happens with that. Come on, somebody. Uh, it's so good. Things are about to melt. Beautiful green is coming soon. But as followers of Jesus, Easter is bigger than eggs and candy and family gatherings. Uh, as today we celebrate the fact that our, our Savior is not dead. Our Savior is alive. And a week ago, we celebrated Palm Sunday, uh, remembering the day when Jesus uh, rode on the colt of a donkey into the city of Jerusalem and people worshipped him and cried out Hosanna and laid their coats down on the ground in front of him. And, and he writes this uh, feeble, stumbling uh, animal through the way. It's a very strange picture for the king uh, and all of that type of stuff. Uh, over the next few, few days, Jesus would have confrontations with religious leaders. He's going to turn over the tables uh, at the temple and the religious leaders will meet behind Jesus' back. They'll meet Judas and begin to plan things. Thursday, we're building up to Sunday. Thursday, Jesus and his closest followers sit down for a meal. We call that the Last Supper. Uh, and during that meal, Jesus takes bread and he takes wine. And he has this moment with his disciples that we still, still celebrate today. After supper, Jesus and some of his closest followers go to the Garden of Gethsemane where they go to pray. And it's there where Judas shows up with the, uh, the religious leaders and soldiers and all of that type of stuff. Jesus is arrested. Thursday night, Jesus is run through uh, these bogus trials with the Jewish leaders. Uh, they, they decide that he is guilty, but the Jewish leaders do not have the ability to kill somebody. So they turn him over to the Romans, which is where we have Pontius Pilate. We talked about all of that type of stuff. That happened on Friday. Eventually, Jesus will be brutally nailed to a cross. Uh, two days ago, we gathered together to, to remember that. And some of us, many of us were here for Good Friday as we focused on Jesus, the price that he paid, and our own guilt and some of that as well. We are all sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus died a horrible death to bring freedom and forgiveness to humanity. Uh, Jesus dies, he's placed in this tomb, uh, and this massive stone is rolled over in front of that. Uh, someday I'm going to travel to Israel and see what some of this looked like. It's on my bucket list. Over the next couple years, I want to see this stuff and walk in those places. Uh, but Friday is a horrible day. Saturday is completely silent. But the Bible says early Sunday morning, women went to the tomb and the stone is rolled away. It's not there anymore. We're talking a stone that can be eight and ten feet high. 
would have taken 10 soldiers to move that thing, and it is now moved. The, the women are confused. They, don't not, they do not know what has happened here. Angels show up, start talking to the women. The women still don't know what's going on. They, uh, they don't understand. Eventually, Peter and John find their way to the tomb. Men are always a little late to the game, aren't they, ladies? Okay, I don't know what's going on with that. Okay, but they, they, these guys, Peter and John, walk right into the tomb, and the story says that they believed. They believed. And Jesus would then go on to appear to about 500 people over about a 40-day period before he would leave, leave earth. Jesus was not dead. He was alive. So eat your peanut butter cups. Okay, Eat your Cadbury cream eggs. Have your ham and potatoes and all of that stuff. But there is something deeper going on here. Something bigger than all of that. And the real amazingness is in celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, the resurrection of Jesus. Our Savior died on a cross, but he did not stay dead. He didn't stay dead. And we celebrate that today. Now today, this morning, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that was written a number of years ago, uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, actually, uh, but in these few verses, we are shown the beauty of a God who brings things from death to life, from death to life. So let's begin reading our passage of scripture today. Please stand with me all over this place uh, and follow along with me as I read. This is Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 1. I'm going to read 10 verses, so it'll be a little bit of a, uh, a nice chunk of verses for us today. Follow along as I read. Here's what it says. It says, as for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved." And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. God, we celebrate you today. We celebrate what you have done. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. And Lord, I pray that as we open your very word today, that something significant and something special would happen for somebody in this place who, who desperately needs to encounter you, for somebody who is doubting, for somebody who is far away from where they should be. Lord, let this be a moment that they never forget as they experience the wonderful, amazing grace that you show us. God, use me, help me, speak through me. Don't let this be about me and my stuff. God, let this truly be about you. We give this to you in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. 
All right, all right. Here we go. Are you ready? July 1725. A man was born by the name of John Newton. John Newton would eventually become an ordained minister in the Church of England, but before God got a hold of his life and God changed some things, John Newton was what's known of as a slave trader. In fact, John Newton is, is known in history for a couple of things. One of them is that he was the captain of these slave ships in, in England. And if slave ships doesn't mean anything to you, let me explain. You've heard of the American slavery stuff in our history. England was a part of that as well. And these massive ships would pull up on the shores of Africa uh, where they had already gathered up and basically kidnapped and stolen all of these uh, African people, taken them from their home, Br- brutal stuff happens, and they would keep them in these nasty storage castle type of things. I visited one uh, actually when I was in Ghana, Africa. I went to it and it was just hor- horrifying stuff. But these ships would pull up and they would begin to load these African slaves by the hundreds into the bottoms of these ships. They would pack them so tight that they were literally uh, shoulder to shoulder sitting. They would, they would handcuff them, put things around their feet and their necks. Why would they put them in chains? It was because the, the ride was going to be so horrifying that if they didn't, many of these slaves would actually jump overboard and kill themselves. So they, they'd shackle them in these different things. And it was about a three or four week voyage back up to England. During that three or four weeks, over half of these slaves would die in these ships, sometimes as much as two-thirds. They would start with 600 and end with 200 alive. These people would sit in their own feces, urine, and vomit, not being fed, not being, okay, you can understand, I don't mean like happy Easter, here we go, let's pray and go home, right? I mean, this is, this is not very fun, but this is, John Newton is right in the middle of all of this until one particular voyage uh, where a dangerous storm threatens to sink the ship and John Newton cries out to God for mercy. And in his words, and you read about this stuff, uh, his words, he said, the storm like immediately began to die down. And shortly after, John Newton puts his faith in Jesus and his life is transformed by the power of God. And out of the sin and out of the guilt and out of the shame of who he was before, he writes a song. And This was 1779. Let me read this song lyrics to you. You may recognize it. It just reads, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. A moment ago, we read from a book of the Bible called Ephesians. Ephesians is written by a man named Paul, or maybe you've heard the phrase the Apostle Paul is like what we like to call him in the church. And uh, Paul had a story of his own. Paul uh, was a part of chasing down and eventually murdering Christians. This was his story uh, until one day he's on a trip to murder more Christians and put them in prison and all this type of stuff. And Jesus shows up to Paul in the middle of the street. This is way after Jesus has died and resurrected and is gone from earth. And so like 
think bright light, glowing craziness, people going blind in the story. Uh, and, and Jesus shows up to him, and, he, and Paul's life is absolutely transformed. And in that moment, things change for him. He eventually is going to go and take multiple trips, 500 miles at a time, spreading the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ to people all throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, and so Paul has his own story, and Ephesians is a letter that he writes. He writes this letter re- later in his life to a, to a church group of Christians in a city called Ephesus, which is where we get Ephesians. It's this beautiful letter that we have written. And from the 10 verses we read just a few moments ago, I just want to make a few observations. And so if you're taking notes, write some of this stuff down. There'll be three of them. Uh, And so number one is this, from what Paul says. Number one, sin is serious. Sin is serious. And sin may not be a fun thing or a popular thing to talk about in our culture. uh, When we have all sorts of opinions and all sorts of things that are showing up all over the place. But just understand this, understanding sin is has everything to do with understanding the significance of us celebrating Easter. And sin, in its most simple explanation, is just us missing the mark. Missing the mark. God created us, and he created us with this perfect plan and this perfect design for how we should live to bring him glory and to to live our lives in the best way for us and all of those types of things. And sin is when we find ourselves outside of God's beautiful plan for us. And we do that by either doing things that we shouldn't do or not doing things we should do. In fact, the Bible talks about that, sins of commission and sins of omission. Commission is simply us doing things that we should not do. And you understand some of that. Omission is not doing things we should be doing. The scripture points to that in the book of James also as sin. We all have things in our lives that that we did. The Bible is clear. All of us, all of us have sin. We have all sinned. There is no perfect person. The Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one. And it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Destructive things, destructive attitudes and actions. And it can be easy for us in our culture specifically to just kind of uh, think, oh, that stuff's not that big a deal. Nobody really got hurt in that. I'm okay. No, okay. But in the eyes of God, just understand sin is serious. And when we're talking about sin, the words the Bible uses are things like chains and things like slaves to sin and to die, that we are dead in our sin, which is what Paul's going to say, okay? And the passage we read, verse number one, says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. All of us, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. You were dead in your sin is the picture that the Bible paints again and again. You were dead in your sin. The ways that you used to live, the things you did, the places you went, like the things you thought, the ways you did life gratifying the cravings of your flesh and following the desires of all of that. And Paul just writes, you are deserving of wrath. 
You're deserving of wrath. And, and don't miss this. Understanding this, as, as nasty as it feels and as hard as it is and, and as much as we want to disagree, understanding the wrath in our sin is, is, and the seriousness of our sin has everything to do with us celebrating Easter and what Jesus has done. During our Good Friday service, we took time to just sit in the weight of our sin as we just sat there and thought about the fact that it was our sin that crucified Jesus. And the way that that made us feel, to sit in the emotion and the heaviness of the things that we done. And we talked about how important it is for us to remember who we, who we are and what we have done. Because listen, if sin isn't a big deal, then Jesus didn't have to die. Jesus' death for sin shows us the dreadful seriousness of sin. But... This is number two, and we go from here to here. Are you ready? Sin is serious, but God's grace is sufficient. And if you don't know what sufficient means, sufficient just means it's enough. God's grace is enough. Sin is serious. We have made a mess of things. We've done things, said things, thought things. We're filled with sin and shame, but the grace of God is freely given, and it is enough. Skipping down a few verses in our passage of Scripture for today, Paul writes this in verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And it is so important that you understand this. Don't miss this right here. There is nothing you can do to fix the issue of sin between you and God. There is nothing you can do You can't work hard enough. You can't go to enough church services. You can't pray enough prayers or give enough money or do enough good things. You are not saved from sin by doing church things. You are not forgiven by being baptized or going to confession. You are not made right with God by being confirmed in a church class or by being a good person. You don't go to heaven by doing more good things than doing bad things. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, not by works. It's the gift of God. John Newton made a mess of his life in this world. And if you could go back and you could see the destructive, horrendous things in history that he was a part of, you would be sick to your stomach and filled with shame and filled with regret because of his sin, he understood the amazing grace of our God. It was the amazing grace of God that saved a wretch like me. Sin is serious, but God's grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. And that brings us to the third and final thing today. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number three, Easter is a story of death to life. Of death to life. The Savior of the world coming back to life. Easter is a story of death to life. Jesus was dead. He was in the tomb. He was not alive. And three days later, he comes back to life. This is what Easter is. Uh, we, We celebrate that fact today. We remember that today. And listen, if if Jesus would have stayed dead, if we would have stayed dead, the movement that is Christianity would have ceased. It would the disciples. Jesus is crucified and they run and they hide and they gather together in hiding and they say, what do we do now? 
And they look and they say, I don't know. He's gone. Was this all not even real? What are we? He is now dead. And here we are in hiding. Easter is, is obviously about the resurrection of Jesus. But understand this movement that is Christianity really begins when Jesus comes back to life. And the d- disciples say, wow, our God can do anything. And they go off and under the power of the Holy Spirit begin to change the world. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus, but here Paul in Ephesians uses the same resurrection imagery to talk about those who put their faith in Jesus. Verse number four, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were once dead in our sin. We were dead in our transgressions, but we are now alive in Jesus. God's grace, the grace of God has brought us back to life. Easter is this story of bringing dead things back to life. We even celebrate this in the spring, don't we? Where we have things melting and we have things turning green and all that seemed so dead. You look at your grass right now and you go outside, even the little spots that you can see of your grass, that little spot like this, and you look at it and you're like, that grass is dead. It's never coming back. At least I don't have to mow it anymore. And then what's going to happen in a few weeks? It's going to be boom and you're going to be on that mower mowing it up, okay? believe and it's going to come. But understand, from death to life, from death to life. Music team, will you please come? Easter is a celebration. Don't miss this. Easter is a celebration for those who have experienced the grace of God, but it's also an invitation for those who haven't. Let me say that again. It's a celebration for those who have experienced God's grace, and it's an invitation for those who haven't, who, who haven't. There is a God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be free from the shame and the guilt and the penalty of your sin. Don't miss this. Sin is serious. Sin is serious. The Bible points to sin as destruction. But the grace of God is enough. I don't, I don't know what you have done. I don't know where you have been. I don't know the things in your life and in your past and even where you were yesterday. I don't know how ugly things have been for you. But this morning, understand, you may be dead in your sin, but you can be alive in Christ. Will you stand with me all over this place? Before we go today, I want us to sing one more time. And as we sing this song, as we look to God and think and reflect, my prayer is that you will remember again and again what God has done for you. The fact that for, for, for every one of us in this place, we are or were dead in our sin. And it is only through the beautiful, incredible, amazing grace of God that things are now different.
that we can be forgiven and free. And the word the scripture uses, we can be saved from our sin. God, we look to you today. We worship you. We give you all the glory for every part and every piece. Everything you have done, we celebrate the victory that we have in you. As you have brought your son, oh God, from death to life. And you are still bringing people today from death to life. And we worship you and we celebrate that. Before we go and do our family stuff or Easter things or whatever you're going to do, hide, hide white eggs in the snow, parents. That's a good idea, huh? Yeah. Uh, but I, I do want to just give every one of us in this place an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus maybe for the first time. You've heard we are all sinners and we're all in need of a Savior. It's why God sent Jesus. Your sin is serious to the point where God kills his own son in our place. And the scripture says if you will put your faith in Jesus, if you put your trust in what he did, then you can be saved. You can be saved from what? Saved from your sin. Saved from the wrath of God is the way that Paul wrote it. You can be saved from all of that forgiven and free. It's a free gift that he offers. He opens up his hands and offers that to us. But we must take a step in his direction and take it. We must say yes to that. And with no one looking around, every eye closed, uh, just a moment of privacy and reflection, who here in this place would just simply say, I have never truly responded to the message of Jesus in my life and in my heart. It's not, it's not just going to church. It's not about being baptized. There's a heart thing. There's a decision that must be made deep down inside of you. And if you're here today and you would say, I have never made that decision for myself to put my faith in Jesus. I wanna do that today. If that's you, just show me your hand. I just wanna pray for you. Just show me your hand. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to this message, to the message of Jesus. You can do that. It's a heart thing. Anyone else though? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Just a moment longer. The most important decision you will ever make is what you do with Jesus and his death and his resurrection in your life. All right, church, everyone, let's just pray this together. These aren't aren't magic words. It's a heart thing, but let's just pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I thank you, God, that you bring things from death to life. Change my life, oh God. In your name I pray, amen.